these scams, what they do is they put you on your heels. They, they make you feel nervous, afraid something bad is going to happen to you, like your utilities are going to be shut off or you're going to be arrested by the IRS. Introducing the Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mike Carroll and International VP Mark Solomon. Hello, hello, hello. This is Mike Carroll, International President of the IAFCI. Welcome to the IAFCI Presents The Protectors. I'm here with Mark Solomon. Mark, you're in Connecticut. I'm in Chicago. How are you doing today? Mr. President, I am doing fine, sir. How are you? Awesome. How's the weather? <laughs> it's not too bad. We're actually at the University of New Haven. We're here with Doug Taylor from Modified Media. We set up shop at UNH, and uh, we're looking forward to our next guest on the podcast. Yeah, Mark, our IFCI Presents the Protectors podcast have been going great. Just like the prior ones, we have another great guest today. Why don't you introduce her? Uh, this one I, I'm excited to introduce. Uh, I know her very well. She is Erica Michalowski, and she is with AARP, one of our big sponsors and friends and partners with the IFCI. Erica is the uh, Associate State Director for Community Outreach for AARP. And what we love about Erica is her passion when it comes to the AARP's Fraud Watch Network. She is just the glue and the heart and soul here in Connecticut for the Fraud Watch Network. And Erica, we are glad to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Mark. It's wonderful to be with you and Mike and talking about my favorite subject, that's for sure, fighting crime. So Erica, can you tell us a little bit about AARP and the Fraud Watch Network, what it's all about and what your guys' mission is? Sure. So ARP, you know, we love to be able to help people uh, age 50 plus and their families really just move through life transitions and financial security is one of them. So ARP developed the ARP Fraud Watch Network and that's how you and I started working together and Mike as well. And what we do is we offer these free resources for everyone. It is a wonderful opportunity for us to offer a way for people to be self-directed, you know, as they move through life's transitions, maybe they're professionals working in the field of uh, financial exploitation, and really to learn how to proactively spot scams, get guidance from our fraud specialists, and we have lots of them, including you both, and really try to get out ahead of being targeted through education and to feel more secure knowing that we have people on the ground and uh, online being able to help protect consumers and enforce laws that are already there and advocate for ones that we actually need. We have this uh, wonderful website we offer. It's called www.arp.org forward slash broadwatch network. And that's where people can start. That is our online, uh, anywhere you are in the world, help anyone of any age. But then we have this wonderful on-the-ground effort that's led by our fraud volunteers. And they educate their peers right in their own communities. Uh, And prior to COVID, we were in person at libraries and senior centers. But what we found is that people needed to still hear this information. So we've been out in force uh, virtually presenting all over the place at libraries, civic organizations, um, conferences, 
you name it, we're there. If they call, our fraud fighters want to educate their peers. And it's really a great collaboration with fraud specialists like yourself. Erica, you talk about providing education to the public on all these different types of frauds and scams. But doesn't also the ARP provide assistance to those who are victim of scams where they could call the ARP and report it? Not only reporting it, but you offer them some counseling or advice, too, on what else they should do. Yeah, Mike, and we really do want to try to help people stay informed, and that's a big part of what we do. Offering this really gives them the power over the scams. Uh, The site that I just had given you, the ARP.org forward slash fraud watch network, it has very reliable, up-to-date insights and alerts and fraud prevention resources to help people spot and avoid scams and really to protect their loved ones. And we even cover the latest scams in the news in real time because we know the headlines, you know, that's where we we find out what the next scam is going to be. So we have what's called an ARP fraud helpline. The number, I'll give it, it's 877-908-3360. One of our volunteers loves to sing it. It's a great way to, to keep it in your head. I'm not Erica, going to sing it, sing I sing it for us? Come you. on. I want to hear you <laughs> sing it. <laughs> 877-908-3360. That's what she does. It's All stuck right. in my head. I'm telling nice. you now. Now it's going to be stuck in your head. But it's a really great opportunity for people to, uh, it's free, anybody of any age, And it's trained fraud specialists that provide support and guidance. And if you think you may have been a victim or you're just not sure about something, you're not sure how to navigate to something, you call them and they're going to be able to help you. Mike, you talked about, you know, some online support for victims. One of the wonderful programs that came out of this work that we've been doing over the last so many years of this, uh, I would say since 2012, 2013, is offering this online support session. And it helps people further their emotional support that's needed if they have been a victim of a crime. The ARP Fraud Watch Network and the Volunteers of America, they created this program to help individuals feel empowered to share what happens to them and to talk about it because the more that they can share this information, the more it gets out there and it helps to um, destigmatize being scammed or being victimized. It's called the REST program. It stands for Resilience, Strength, and Time. And the program is designed to address the emotional impact of a person's experience. And, you know, that can be very traumatic. And it's free. It's facilitated by peer discussion groups. And they seek to provide as much support to the victim, but also their family. And sometimes the family does need to have that support. You know, I I talk to so many children of individuals that are over the age of 50, and they are angry and they get mad at their parent. And what we want to try to shift is not blaming the victim, but blaming the, the perpetrator or the criminal and having the family be a part of that education process. So they can go through the sessions themselves with the person, or they can do it separately in a family members only. So it's a really great opportunity. And it really stems from our founder, Ethel Percy Andrus. She she helped create AARP. She founded this organization to help fight for consumers by advocating and trying to stop these crimes and helping people be financially secure as they move through move through life, no matter what age they are. 
So, Erica, you brought up a great point when it comes to, you know, reporting these crimes. Um, Statistically and historically, there's been lots of issues with seniors reporting that they're a victim of financial exploitation. Can you explain a little bit why there's that hesitancy and how the Fraud Watch Network uh, provides an opportunity to encourage the victim to report this to law enforcement? Sure. You know, being victimized is one of those things where um, you you focus in on what happened to you and you're not looking at all the factors surrounding it. And so what ARP uh, really wanted to try to do is create these fraud prevention resources that were going to be available to anybody wherever they were. So in particular, we tell people to, you know, contact your local law enforcement. There's so many wonderful organizations that are all coordinating and collaborating, like the Federal Trade Commission and the FBI, the IFCI. There's so many. But being able to look up all these different tips and sheets of common scams, including videos, you can actually go online and use the scam tracker map and see what reports are happening in your geographic part of the country and see if there's some patterns there and be able to be out ahead of it. So you actually have a live map on your website that is tracking frauds in your particular area. Yeah. And and this is something that's used by law enforcement. um, And it's also tracked by AARP so that if we see there's trends happening across the country, we all work together to try to figure out what is going to be the best action or the best course of action to try to stop it from happening to even more. In some cases, we had, I think it was last year, and we actually had something happen this year in one of the towns where we, we were reached out by one of the, um, the mayor or uh, one of the local law enforcement folks had us come out and talk with the people that live there because they wanted an ARP fraud volunteer to do this. Why? Because it's, it's peer-to-peer. And they thought, you know, maybe they're going to listen to their peer more so than if they would, uh, you know, someone in law enforcement. And if they jointly did this, it would it would really make a huge difference. And it did. Um, And it helped with a lot of investigations. More people talked about being targeted. They had a, you know, a, a town hall kind of approach. But it all stemmed from being able to go and see what is actually happening. And then we could also warn other parts of the country, hey, we're seeing this happen. Happens a lot during, you know, certain times of year. The IRS scams, we know that Medicare numbers, people are always trying to get those. So those start to ramp up during Medicare open enrollment. So it's a really, really great tool. Erica, the IFCI and the AARP have a great partnership. Are there other organizations that you're involved with yeah. So I work in the space of elder justice in a few different ways, and we conduct outreach and education to consumers and professionals, but also in coalitions with others in Connecticut working towards elder justice prevention. And we do this collectively. So I represent ARP, Connecticut State Office, on the Coalition for Elder Justice in Connecticut. And it's a multidisciplinary group made up of pro- private and public stakeholders working together to prevent elder abuse and really just to protect rights and security of people so they can have independence and really looking out for those vulnerable older adults. You know, we want to make sure that we're looking at people's circumstances to see how we can help them. 
And so the steering committee is comprised of key members of uh, different organizations with very distinct expertise in the area of elder abuse. And together, they're providing this support and guidance and oversight on behalf of the whole coalition. So you have protective services for the elderly, the Office of the Attorney General. Then you have your state departments, the Department of Insurance, banking, consumer protection, uh, our area agencies on aging. We have Hartford Healthcare and many other organizations so that we can really work together with a collective of expertise to try to help individuals. So, Eric, I'd like to ask you a little bit about your army here in Connecticut. Uh, I like to call them your army because it's all your volunteers from the Fraud Watch Network here in Connecticut. And I've had the opportunity to work with so many of them and you as well. But how important is it to have this volunteer group going out into the communities? I know right now with COVID, you're restricted to be more online. But how valuable is that? education, that awareness that you're providing. You guys have actually done some studies where it's shown that if a person actually gets some education and awareness, they are less likely to become a victim of fraud. Could you talk a little bit about your team and the great work that they're doing? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Mark. And you've worked with so many of them. They just really, they care about other people that are being affected and impacted by uh, exploitation, financial exploitation in any aspect of it. We have over 45 fraud fighters in Connecticut, and they have been out there in force doing virtual presentations, utilizing online opportunities, doing telephone town halls. They've done trainings for law enforcement. Um, we've come out and done sessions where, you know, people have a topic of ID theft or understanding money mules. And, you know, what they bring to the table is they're that ear, they're the peer, they're the, hey, guess what? I got the same email and I was so concerned. I thought I did something wrong. And they talk with people one-to-one. Without them doing this work, we would not be able to do this education. You mentioned that study. It was a Department of Justice study that talked about the susceptibility of somebody being victimized again is if they didn't talk about what happened with another person. And what we found was, yes, we can do an intervention and someone can, you know, uh, the susceptibility goes down, but it's over the course of three, six, and nine months that they would actually have it happen again if they weren't being given the opportunity for more education. So that's why they developed the AARP Fraud Watch Network to have this on the ground volunteer peer to peer educator component. And I think it's probably the best part. I know we have all the bells and whistles online for anybody that needs it, but it's being able to sit and talk with somebody about what has happened to you that makes a huge difference in somebody talking about it and being able to prevent it from happening again to themselves and others. Hey, Erica, here in Illinois, we have a great partnership with the AERP through the Postal Inspection Service and the local chapter of the International Association of Financial Crime Investigators. And we've been out on Shredder Day with AERP, working with them on that. We went out to a couple of universities here around the Chicago area. We've done some joint presentations with AARP to community groups and to law enforcement, telling everybody the great work that AARP does. I just wanted to ask you, you always thought in the past AARP was for seniors, and I think you already addressed this, but what AARP offers is for everybody. Is that correct? 
It is. And I'm so happy that you're asking me that, Mike. This is for anybody of any age, any stage, background. We have a lot of professionals that are, you know, just starting out in their careers. We have a lot of students that we go out and we train and we talk with. So I always want to talk about the topic of aging. I think I may talk about it too much, but if I ever get an opportunity, I have to bring this to reality, the reality of aging. And it's really about ageism. And, you know, older individuals are vibrant, they're valuable, and largely independent members of community. They have diverse range of abilities, interests, experience, expertise. We, I say we, because we're all aging every time, you know, we walk through life. More than 75% of people that are over the age of 65 were surveyed, and they reported no deficit in vision, cognition, hearing, mobility, communication, or or self-care. And there's this idea that every person that is in the same category, older adult or elderly, are the same person, right? They think about it. Ageism is one of the most prevalent, least recognized, and tactically normalized forms of stereotyping and prejudice within society. And so every person is likely to be the target of ageism at some point in their life. So age bias has been associated with really inflicting poor cognition, functional and mental health outcomes, and so many other things that can really harm an individual. And why am I saying all of this to you? I'm saying all of this to you is that as professionals, as people that are trying to help individuals of any age be able to prevent this from happening again, we have to look at our own bias about our own aging and think to ourselves, is every 50-year-old the same? Is every 30-year-old the same? If they're not, then they shouldn't be treated the same. So we shouldn't lump all older adults into one category. Oh, they fell for it. They're just getting old. And that's ageism, but it's also not giving people the opportunity to focus on what actually happened. A criminal targeted them, and it could happen to you, me. It happens to everybody. Everybody gets the email. Everybody gets the phone call. Everybody gets the um, knock on the door in some horrible cases. And so we want to make sure that when we're out investigating, when we're out asking the questions to try to find out what's happened, that we're not putting our own bias onto a situation where we could actually miss something. So that was my opportunity to tell you that it is for everybody of any age and any stage. But also, Mike, you know, I've said this to you and Mark all the time, you know, By 2050, there is going to be more people in the country living longer because we're healthier. We have a longer lifespan. We are making up more of the population, but we have a responsibility to also be able to categorize people based on where they are in their life and not by their number. So there you go. So, Eric, I have a very critical question to ask you. You've met both Mike and I personally over the years here. Which one of us has aged more gracefully? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, you are aging gracefully, both of you, and you have so many more years to go. But who's got, so. the, who's got the slight edge? I mean, come on. 
Oh, you are not going to do that. We're not going to put you on the spot. Oh, no. No. (laughs) I know you would pick me. It's all right. It's okay. Well, if you said Mark, we'd cut it out anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Erica, a question I have, too, is you talk about this being free. Do you have to become a member of AARP in order to join the Fraud Watch Network, or is this completely free and open for anybody to be a part of? It is completely free and open to anybody that wants to be a part of it. You don't have to be a member. Um, in fact, we don't even ask that. You can go online. You can access all of the wealth of information that's there. You can listen to the wonderful podcasts that are there. Uh, remember, we did uh, Frank Abagnale. The two of you, you were my MCs. I loved it. Yes, He's on there, and we have um, so many other podcasts that are out there, The Perfect Scam. Um, We have a whole online community. You can also get weekly or bi-weekly watchdog alerts, and that gets sent right to you if you choose. Any of the events that we have, those are open to anybody of any age. And in some cases, we offer uh, continuing education units. Thanks to the ISBI for law enforcement, we have the wonderful uh, team here at the Connecticut Police Academy. We also offer them for social workers as well and other professions. We really want to try to make this as easy as possible for people to get information for not only themselves, but for the people that they care about. Because I think if you can spot it, you could stop it, and then you need to tell somebody about it. Erica, what kind of current trends are you seeing relating to like scams and frauds out there? You know, there's the usual ones that we've seen, the grandparent scam ID theft and and those. But one that's really gaining some traction and really concerning because it has so many different components of it is the gift card scam, the payment scams. Con artists just have latched onto the gift cards. And, you know, at AARP, we're trying to wrap our heads around it. We have some talking points for our volunteers, but really would love to hear a little bit more from the two of you. You're my issue experts to really kind of unwrap how this scam works and and maybe what you're seeing as well. Well, on our end, with the inspection service and with the IFCI, I know these, uh, you mentioned it, the grandchild in trouble, the IRS calling you your money in taxes, there's a warrant for your arrest, the tech scams. A lot of them involve purchasing gift cards. And the reason I see that the fraudsters like that is because they convince the victim to purchase gift cards. And then once they purchase them, they just turn them over and read the numbers off the back of the card. And then the money goes from that card onto the fraudster's card. You might have a victim purchase gift cards here in Illinois, and then once they leave the store, they read off the back of the card to the fraudster, and he's in Buffalo, New York the next day making purchases. So that's one reason why the fraudsters like the gift cards, I think. And we're seeing a lot of it in all the different types of scams. You know, Mike, too, uh, and Erica, you know, the thing is here is that the callers or these scams, what they do is they put you on your heels. They they make you feel nervous, afraid something bad is going to happen to you, like your utilities are going to be shut off or you're going to be arrested by the IRS. And what happens is you take your objectiveness out of the equation and you don't think rationally. And all of a sudden they're suggesting to you to buy a bunch of gift cards. 
Uh, so they want you to go down to a local store and buy gift cards and then call them back and give them the card numbers. I mean, that's just not a way that you're supposed to make payments, whether you owe money to the IRS or you your utility bill is behind. You write a check, you provide a credit card number or something. You know, you shouldn't be going down to the store and buying gift cards and reading these numbers off to somebody over the phone. So I think when you uh, are under that fear of something bad's going to happen, you start to lose your rational thinking. So gift cards are, are just that. They're meant to be gifts. They're meant to be given to family members or friends or for people's birthdays. They're not there to pay the IRS. They're never going to ask you to pay in that method. So if you get a call like that or receive an email, just equate that paying uh, some sort of legitimate bill uh, with a gift card is not the way to go. The other thing is, you know, too, I think you have to realize that you can't trust an incoming phone call or an incoming email. You don't know who they're from. They could be from anyone. Your caller ID screens, you could, there's a simple app and a program where I could have any name or phone number show up on your caller ID screen. So never, never conduct a financial transaction from an incoming phone call or an incoming email. So I just wanted to say to you that, you know, thank you for explaining both of you. There are so many nuances to existing scams utilizing the gift card, and that's why it's becoming so, so known. But by just sharing with somebody, if somebody says to you, purchase a gift card, there's your red flag right there. Something's not right. Absolutely. And giving that as a gift to people to say, hey, if somebody's asking you for this, that's a way to be able to help them protect themselves. Do you know if stores are out, you know, really trying to prevent this because they're going to have a loss as well? One thing we're trying to do with the IFCI is, like you mentioned, trying to get the word out to store clerks. We're looking to put together a short stop action video for store clerks. We've kind of reached out to some of the major stores to see if it's possible. And I think FTC's done some prevention on that too. And I know you're looking into doing some of that too. But yeah, I think there's a little more training for store clerks, maybe something that we could show them during orientation or during their breaks that, hey, somebody comes in for the fourth time this week and is buying $5,000 in gift cards. These are the questions you can ask to try and prevent that sale. Bring in your manager, uh, tell that person to call their grandson. He's not in trouble or the IRS is not going to have you pay with gift cards. And like Mark mentioned, too, they're pretty good. They know how to spoof the phone number, so they get a call from the IRS it comes in from 202, the area code, which is D.C., to make it look somewhat legit that it is coming in from the IRS. I'm just wondering right. if, you know, they buy the gift cards to pay their taxes that they owe. They read off the back of the card, the numbers on the back, and then they still tell them to send the, the gift cards to the IRS in D.C. So I'm wondering if they got a big vault of all these gift cards that have no value on them. Yeah, that's just just one thing that we can offer people, especially during the holiday season as well. Gift cards are just so popular, especially when you don't feel like going to the store. You just, you know, hey, just get a bunch of gift cards and send them out. And um, you just don't know whether if, if that's going to be the way to do it. Um, I, I heard some other variations, too, that they could actually be in the store and scratching off the backs and then they're not validated. I, you know, I, I wondered if you had heard about something to do with that. So, Erica, yeah, you brought up a good point. Um, there is a, a scam right now where fraudsters are going into local stores and they're actually removing the card out of its envelope or um, cardboard insert. 
and they're actually recording the card number and the security code that they scratch off on the back of the card, and then they place that card back on the rack and try and make it look like it's never been opened. And then what they do is occasionally the fraudster is going to try and use that card number and that security code on the back of the card, hoping that somebody has purchased it and maybe is going to give it as a gift later at a later time period. So, But what they're able to do is actually defraud the victim and use that gift card once it's activated after it's purchased. So, you know, that's a great tip if you're in buying gift cards. Make sure that that insert is completely sealed. And if you see that the number on the back of it is scratched off when you get home, you need to call the store right away and let them know that. Thank you. I see a lot on these scams, especially the imposter scams, where there always seems to be a sense of urgency. And I think one of the reasons is because they don't want them to discuss with any other family members. They want them to act quickly so they don't think about it, so they don't talk to anybody especially in all these imposter scams, including the grandchild in trouble, and where they say, don't tell mom and dad, you need to get these gift cards purchased right now. In fact, there are cases where the fraudster's talking to the victim in the store at the counter making the purchase. And I've always wondered about that. And I'm thinking that possibly the fraudster doesn't want to lose that connection because then they, you know, when they call back, they might call somebody else who might get their the commission or whatever for the fraudster. So do you want to stay on that line to make sure that the victim follows through with everything and reads the numbers off? I see a lot of that too. Yeah. And they create that urgency. Like you said, our team calls it the ether, get them under the ether. It's like falling in love, that unsettling feeling that you have where you just can't make a, a sound decision. <laughs> I shouldn't equate it with love, but I, you know, I tell you it's that fear factor that they keep trying to do And I think this is such a perfect scam for them to do that. It's kind of terrifying. One of the other things I did want to mention that um, AARP is really focused in on, we have some new resources for veterans when it comes to fraud. Why? Because 5 million AARP members are current or former U.S. service members. And we found that veterans and military families are twice as likely as civilians to be targeted by con artists. And in a survey, we found 80% of veterans have encountered veteran or military-specific scams. Are you hearing similar kinds of numbers? Wow, Erica, that is something to, to bring up that's very important. And when you look at the veteran community, they have served our communities, both uh, through the military and then in their private lives. And what you usually find is they are always giving individuals, just like our seniors. I think there's a correlation where our seniors and our veterans are always looking to help other people. So that does not surprise me one bit that the fraudsters are taking advantage of the, of the niceness of our veterans. So I'm so happy that you guys are focusing on that victim group and bringing some awareness and education to them as well. Sure. And, you know, if anybody would like to get more information, if they're a veteran or a family member, um, we have an Operation Protect Veterans site that offers a number of fraud alerts at ARP.org forward slash veterans. And it's really very important because I think you're right. You know, 60% of the top scams faced by veterans are charity scams. And also, you know, 75% are credit card scams. So that's telling us these 
criminals are looking at what the opportunity is for them to be able to target someone at their stage of life. So thank you. Eric, and you may not know this, but Mike was actually in the Civil War, so he is a veteran himself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. H jokes. Here we go. Here we go. Um, but Erica, thank you so much for being on the show today. You know, I don't know if our audiences are believers or not, but boy, if there's ever uh, a person that you could call an angel, I would say it's Erica Mikulowski because she just, man, she is so passionate. She has had such an impact here in Connecticut and with the AARP and the Fraud Watch Network. Erica, thank you for being our guardian angels and keep up the great work. Oh, thank you so much, Mark and Mike. And thank you for what you do to protect all of the people that live in Connecticut and across the country. Thank you, Erica, and be safe. Mark, talk about having a passion for what you do. Erica fits that mold. She is an outstanding person. She does a great work for the AARP, and uh, we were just so appreciative of having her on our show. Yeah, she is really an incredible person, and we want to thank Erica. And also, Mike, you know, we want to thank our audience for listening, subscribing, and sharing to the IFCI Presents podcast, The Protectors. And again, we're all combating fraud, financial, cyber crimes together, so come join us. And until next time, I'm Mark Solomon. I'm Mike Carroll. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.